Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Are you an empath? If you are, it has been one heck of a year to be a sensitive person. As empaths, we need special tools and practices so that we can learn how to hold our boundaries in the close quarters of a pandemic and how to clear the energy that we pick up from other people. Well, we're in luck because energy healer Lisa Campion is here, and she'll be talking about powerful, practical ways to help sensitives manage their energy, even in difficult times like this. Are you ready to meet her? Lisa Campion is the author of the number one best-selling books, The Art of Psychic Reiki and Energy Healing for Empaths. She's a psychic counselor and Reiki master teacher with more than 25 years of experience. Lisa's trained more than 1,000 people in Reiki and has done more than 15,000 individual sessions. She's the host of the radio show and podcast, The Miracle of Healing, right here on Empower Radio. Lisa specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers so they can fully step into their gifts because the world needs all the healers it can get. You can find out more about Lisa and her work at lisacampion.com. Lisa, welcome back to Out of the Fog. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. It's so delightful to be here with you and to be on somebody else's radio show is always so fun. <laughs> Isn't on the other fun? side of the chair, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, when you talk about empathy or being an empath, what is it that you mean? What does that mean to you? Well, um, that's a great question and a good one to start out with. So being an empath is a little different from like having the, you know, psychologists talk about um, having, be having sympathy or having empathy for another person, which is like when we see somebody who's sad, we, we, we think, oh, that person's sad and I feel sad about that. Or, oh, they're sad. That's like the, psych, the way psychologists define empathy. But what I'm talking about as is an empath is way deeper than that. And it's really like a, a characteristic of our soul. I, th- I sort of think of empaths as being sort of like a a small subset of humanity, sort of different from other people and in a lot of ways. And the primary way is that we, when we're in proximity to somebody, we see them, we're next to them or we're close to them emotionally and they're sad. We don't just notice it. We actually feel their feelings as if they're our feelings. We, we feel their sadness like, oh my God, suddenly I am so sad, you know, and the same thing happens for physical pain and sometimes thoughts or physical sensations in the body and sometimes mental thoughts too. And this really creates what I call the psychic sponge. So we're like sponges that sponge up the energy, feelings, thoughts, sensations of other people and run them through our own system so that we're feeling them too. Mm. And that, I mean, only a few seconds of that and you're just cluttered, flustered, dripping with stuff that doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's called empathic overload. And that happens when the sponge is full. 
So for me, it happens like 20 minutes into Walmart or a big box store. I'm like, I'm in the, I get to the back of it. I'm like, who am I? Where, where am I? What, what, where, no, I can't find my car in the parking lot. You know, that kind of um, empathic overload. And, and it's the tricky thing about it is until we learn how to manage our energy, which we can do, um, not, it's not too difficult, really. It, once you know what to do, we, we hit this overload all the time. Our sponge is full. We're overwhelmed. We're tired. We're depressed. We're cranky. Um, and and that and we, we can feel like this is a curse, like it's a big problem, like there's something wrong with us, we're, like we're crazy, instead of really understanding that it's a gift. And if you think from the gift side of things, these qualities, these abilities are like having a built-in MRI x-ray machine. It's like having a built-in diagnostic tool for healers. So in my feeling, all empaths are meant to be healers, helper, caretakers in the world. There's many, many ways to do that. But then all of a sudden it makes sense. We can we're, we can understand why we're, we feel all these things, why we absorb the energy of other people and know um, that it's for helping them. But even knowing that, how can we do it safely? Because I have also been, I'm the person at the back of the Costco clutching the big jar of jelly beans that I don't remember why I bought, trying to find the excess that I I have been to that party. So how (laughs) can we use those diagnostic tools safely? And a big one for me is appropriately. How do we set energetic boundaries so that we aren't just scanning everyone we run across at the Costco. Oh man, Costco. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it's where the of... jelly beans are, Lisa. I, ha- <laughs> I, know, I have to I go. Spirit draws me there. Okay. I get it. I get it. And I hope you can find your car in the parking lot afterwards because I have an issue with that myself. <laughs> um, but here's really, there's two answers to that. And it's really about learning how to set boundaries, which is something that's very natural for people that are non-empathic you know, that are, are not empaths and very difficult and troublesome. And, and I set boundaries and empaths are like, what, what is this you're talking about? Like, how do you do it? And the, the first way to really <clears throat> to do it is from an energetic standpoint. And because I'm an energy healer and I spent so much time doing Reiki and learning energy medicine, and because I'm a psychic and a visual psychic, and I could always see people's energy fields. I very quickly noticed that the empaths have a different kind of energy field than non-empathic people. That's where I got this idea of the sponge, that we have this big expanded energy field, much bigger than non-empathic people, and that it doesn't have a boundary on the outside of it. So what I teach my students to do is a basic energy management practice, which is basically a guided meditation using breath um, and visualization to squeeze the sponge, to clear the energy we pick up from other people using your breath to reground ourselves because empaths spend a lot of time outside their bodies to reset the bubble to reset your energy field so you i do this before i go into costco i might do it halfway through costco i definitely do it in the car when i get out of costco Um, i do it in my in between clients when i'm working with people and this basic skill um it's like a habit so we change our habit from being spongy to being boundaried. Kind of gives us a leg to stand on, gives us a foundation of, of groundedness and boundariness that we can then use to do the other side of the equation, which is more difficult. And that's learning how to say no and set appropriate boundaries with people using our words and saying, no, thank you. And, you know, um, 
in all that way, there's a whole sort of psychological way that we need to set boundaries. But I find that once, if we start with the energetic version of this, all of a sudden we can do the other side of it too. Can you say a little bit about scanning with permission and what happens, what's the difference between looking at someone's energy with permission and I think what often happens with empaths is that we're almost scanning before we know we're doing it. And so, and at least in what I teach, I'm always teaching students to, right, you only read with permission just because you can look doesn't mean you should look. Yes. How do you feel about permission and how does that, how does keeping <clears throat> the permission boundary clear help that sponge kind of only hold what it needs to hold? That's really important. I'm so glad you're talking about it because I have like, like a little bee in my bonnet about ethics uh-huh. for psychics. And I spend a lot of t- time training psychics in it. There's a lot of bad habits that the psychics that I meet these days have gotten from watching TV psychics. Oh, don't get me started. Yes, uh-huh. I agree. Yep. And so the TV psychics sort of make it look like you're randomly walking into the shoe store to buy shoes and all of a sudden you start reading the person who's putting your shoes on. Uh-huh. And and of course, that's not what's happening really in TV. What's really happening is that that's a set, set up. It's staged. Everybody's met each other. Everyone signed 800 million waivers and disclaimers and confidentiality. Like it's all, you know, that. but I don't like it that people have the illusion. I call that hit and run psychic readings. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a huge violation of people's privacy. Um, and when I teach, train my students, I have a don't tell, don't ask policy. <laughs> like if somebody doesn't ask you, you don't tell, yeah. you know, and, and there's a lot of like having to learn how to sort of look the other way. I always say, Karen, it's like, imagine you're sitting at a bar with somebody and there's a TV playing, you know, next to their head, Right. And you can choose to focus on the person in front of you, or you can let your eyes drift to the TV, right? And it, which is what it's like for me as a psychic, it takes concentration for me to just stay with the person in the moment and shut down all of that other stuff, which we can choose to do depending on where we put our attention, right? So you can make a choice to not scan, even if scanning is your natural, just like looking at the TV would be your natural state, right? Yeah. So it's really about um, making a choice about where your attention is. And then then if you see something or feel something or know something, which happens to me, I just sort of let it go. I let it wash over me. I'm like, bye-bye, you know, Um, and I I sort of flush it down the grounding cord or release it in whatever way I need to put my attention back into the moment um, to the person that I'm with, because I I just don't, I just think that we all have a right to privacy it's never good to, it's very invasive. And a lot of times empaths are super concerned about other people invading their energy. They're really get, get, you know, like all head up about it and they're not realizing maybe they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, and that brings me to that other way of looking at being an empath. It's a terrible burden. It's full of drama. I sit next to the guy in the bus and I know his whole life. And what am I going to do about this? And it's a big deal. And it's making me sick. That aspect of permission of what I would call in my own work, keeping it clean, right? Or good psychic hygiene, keeping it clean. That aspect of permission means that you as the empath can decide how and when is it right for me to use my gift instead of I don't, is it a gift? Is it a curse? I don't know, but it's, I'm running crazy in the back of the Costco. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot about um, feeling empowered and that, and 
this is really the tone of my book, uh, Energy Healing for Empaths, is I wanted to empower empaths. And there's a little bit of a has been a little bit, and I want to hold out, hold out your empath's hands before I say this, uh, energy around the victimhood of this, mm-hmm. of feeling super victimized, like, poor, oh my God, I'm so sensitive, you know, which yes, we are. But if we're going to live in the power side of this instead of the curse side of this, we have to, first of all, accept that it's the nature of who we are. We have to understand some things. We have to learn some tools and skills and the understanding of it. And then and then we have to, like you say, make choices about it's our responsibility to set our boundaries. No one is going to do it for you. Everyone in your life has an agenda that your boundary is terrible because it's better for them. <laughs> and it's not anyone's business or responsibility to mind your boundary except for you. Mm. You know, and that and once you know that, once you understand how to do it and you know that it's your job to do it, then I found for me, like I could make that shift out of feeling victimized by it. And I could make that shift into feeling powerful in the world so that I can go into Costco and not feel like I've been hit by a freight train, you know, Um, and I can deal with difficult people. I can handle the energy vampires of the world. I can, you know, make choices about my boundaries, what I'm a yes to and what I'm a no to and not and feel good about it and then my sensitivity is a gift a benefit um that for my clients or my friends or you know my family um and and i felt like that whole process was so incredibly liberating for me and left me feeling powerful in the world instead of battered about and that was a big reason why i wanted to write the book in the first place so i wanted to share that liberation with other people You're listening to Out of the Fog, and we're talking with Lisa Campion. Her new book is Energy Healing for Empaths, and you can find out more about Lisa and her work at lisacampion.com. Lisa, you mentioned um, psychic vampires, and of course, that's what the empaths are always afraid of, and yet it's also what we can become if if we're not, right? If if we're not keeping it clean, what's a psychic vampire, and how, how do we get them to detach? Well, you know, uh, one of my friends um, talks a lot about um, Eileen McCusick. She's the founder of Biofield Tuning. And um, she and I were hanging out one day and she said, you know, that there, she was noticing that there's people in the world that are energy givers or electron, electron donors and other people that are sort of naturally takers and mm-hmm. electron stealers or electron takers. And I, I like that she said that. Um, and it, it got me to thinking about, you know, how we have natural givers and takers in the world. And and I started thinking about energy vampires as more of a process that any of us can fall into rather than a particular person, you know? So there are lots of different kinds of and energy vampires are the takers, you know, of the world. There were people who are um, taking more than they're giving inside their relationships. And there's a lot of different kinds of them. Some of them are sort of hardcore predatory narcissist types is, that's just their nature to take and they, they don't know how to give or they haven't learned that yet. Um, and others are more, um, have like I call them situational energy vampires. It's like we all fall on hard times. It's certainly been a hard year for a lot of people. And anyone can fall into the, um, you know, the problem of not having an, enough resources and just being in need, right? Um, and then of course, like you said, uh, empaths can be super guilty of being energy vampires. Like if we think about the fable, the mythology of vampires, how do they get made? A vampire takes, finds a willing victim, 
sucks the life and the blood out of them and that turns them into a little baby vampire and what happens and that happens a lot in sort of the dance that empaths have with energy vampires if you really get sucked into a relationship with any kind of like a boss or a kid or a lover a friend partner um and they just suck you so dry you don't know how to maintain your boundaries you don't know how to source yourself from other energy with other energy you can end up so empty and drained that you are now that vampire what how can we be empaths be healthy and not find ourselves entangled with energy vampires because sometimes the people who are extra thirsty look for the empaths as yeah. easy targets because we do have that big energy field because a lot of times we're not in our body as we should be. Mm. Sure. Yeah. There's so much about us that's just delicious for an energy vampire, you know, like we're not very boundaried. We have big, huge, compassionate hearts. We really care. We're really givers. You know, we know that we can make people feel better if we suck all the poison out of them. And a lot of us learn how to do that as children caring, you know, like we may have grown up um, little, our, our little empath selves grown up in families that were really rocky. And we learned really young to absorb the, the goo, to absorb the poison, and then everybody calms down, right? And yeah. even a wee little two-year-old empath can do that. And so we, we have this knowing of that. And, you know, a lot of times an unboundary em- empath, you walk, you walk into Costco <laughs> and everybody, like, you know, somebody stops you in the jelly bean aisle and tells <laughs> you their whole entire story, you know, um, whether you want to hear it or not, because they're attracted to our lights. They're attracted to the quality of love and compassion. They feel on a subconscious level that we're not very boundaried. And they feel even, I want to say even more deeply, that our, that for many of us, our core nature, our soul's purpose is to be healers, right? So people who need healing are drawn to people that are healers. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, if it's your clients, like if you have the right boundaries and structures around that, that's the way it should be. So, so I feel like, you know, once we know how to do that, once we know it goes all about t- to boundaries. And I mean, there are certainly energy vampires you can't get away from. What do you do if you're married to one or, or your boss is one or your kid is one? They put us through boundary school. They help us learn how to say no. Um, we need to know inside of ourselves how much time and energy we're willing to give to a person. And then we have to withstand the drama on the other, like, so we train people how to treat us, right? Yeah. And if you are always giving and never saying no, you've trained your people that that's okay. And a lot of times I'm t- I call this the empath trap. A lot of times empaths do that because it's so hard for us to deal with the blowback when we say no. So when we say yes, it sucks, but it's all harmonious. If we say no, the other person has a hissy fit or a temper tantrum or freaks out in some way that we then have to deal with that too. We have to deal with the energetic blowback of that, you know, and really learning to withstand that and be like, I'm sorry, you're having feelings about my no, but my no is still a no and you can go deal with your feelings over there. I'm not responsible for that. There's a strength in that. There's a beauty. There's a cleanness to that understanding that um, that that you embody your gift the gift doesn't run the show that 
you as as an incarnated divine and human being all mixed up in one that you get to decide how you will use your own attributes, which is different from the way I think of an energetic vampire is someone who'd like to come in and rifle through all your drawers and they'll decide how you use your gifts. Thank you. Yeah. Even if you don't, <laughs> even if you're sure. going, wait, what? Stop. No, that's my drawers. No, stop. Yes. It's that. And they don't mind. And like I said, your boundaries on you. So are all of us are responsible for that. So there are plenty of people out there like that. And we just don't, we have to learn how to not let that happen. And I, I think what happens to a lot of empaths, they don't know how to do that. So what they do is they narrow their life down smaller and smaller and smaller. They become very introverted. Like, well, I'm never leaving my house. I'm not getting off my couch. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be out in the world dealing with people and interacting with people because they, they're at the mercy of people like that and just have, don't have the skills that, and the permission that they need to, to let that not happen. What? is a useful practice or a helpful tool for an empath who feels like they are under attack, whether it's from a a person or from situations or from, what are some good kind of emergency measures that they might be able, I'm imagining, you know, in the movies, when you go to take the amazing diamond and you reach for it, but then all the, like the metal bars and things come down and the doors slam shut and the alarm goes off. What are some ways we can just close everything up? in an emergency if, if sure. we're feeling under attack? There's a couple things. One of them is that there's this trick that I learned from a Qigong master. Um, and he was real um, aware of the energy meridians in the body. <clears throat> and he taught me this thing. It's called the, the aura closed position or the ener- the meridian closed position. And you, if you're sitting down, you can do sitting down or standing up. You put your, the to- your big toes and your ankles together, you close your knees and your inner thighs together. Um, you put your hands sort of, um, you know, it fingers interlaced with your thumbs on the um, together, the top of your thumbs together. You put the tongue, your tongue on the roof of your mouth. And if you're talking to somebody, um, you don't look them in the eye because the eyes are away in, like stare at their eyebrow because people or stare at the bridge of their nose because people can't really tell that you're not looking them in the eye. And then, and then you, you don't really open your mouth. Like you go, Hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you like make listening noises. Right. <laughs> and um, this closes down, this completes the circuits of all of your energy meridians. So there's literally no energetic way inside of you. That's, wow. I know super cool. I've done it all over. I've, I've done it in like, places where you can't be like, excuse me, well, can you just pardon it? Pardon me for a minute while I go sit in the corner and meditate for a few minutes, you know, like when we don't have time or it's not right to do that. The other way to do that, the other thing that I do that works for me, because I practice it a lot, is putting the bubble on, really put put like go inside your spacesuit. Like, you know, that they're walking around the outside of this space station in this spacesuit. Like nothing can get in, right? Yeah. And um and then really continue to breathe, like breathe in the top of your head, breathe all the way down your spine, breathe out your tailbone and shields on full um, is a, is a really another strong way. Also, you'll know this is going on because you'll have an automatic desire to cross your arms over your chest. Hmm. So across your solar plexus, you know, so when, when you get around somebody where you feel like um, you doing that, you can be pretty sure that they're trying to hook or grab your energy in some way that's not to your benefit. And that can happen without them consciously being aware that they're doing it, right? 
Absolutely. Um, I think there are certain people who are conscious of the fact they're energy vampires. Um, they're very un unapologetic about it. And they're kind of like the con con artists, you know, or like, uh, you know, personality love disorder level narcissists and psychopaths. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like quite clear that that that's the way they roll and they don't have, they don't have a problem with it. They don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that's a very small subset of energy vampires. The rest of us are just trying to hustle and get through the day the best we can. And nobody's taught us how to source our energy from, from divine energy, from earthly energy. We have 24 seven unlimited supply to those sources of energy. Nobody's taught us that stuff. So we learn early on this terribly bad habit of stealing energy from other people. You don't feel good. You call your friend, you, you complain, huh. you know, like, you know, whatever, like, Something's going on. You have to hook somebody and get their attention and talk it through. Like, and if, I'm not saying there, there aren't times when that's the right thing to do, but it it's different when we want to connect with somebody versus like, I'm in this horribly needy place and I don't know how to deal with it except by grabbing onto somebody else. Lisa, let the listeners know how they can find out more about your work and where they can get their hands on this very good book and practical book mm -hmm. too. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, I am very practical for a psychic. Mm -hmm. and I, for me, it's, I think because I'm a teacher and I'm, I just wanted everything to be about the practical application of everything I'm talking about. But the books are available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I always love it if you check your local bookstore and maybe we can throw some support um, to the local bookstores around us these days need that. Um, and anything else you can find um, on my website, lisacampion.com. If you go there, I actually have a little free mini class, a four-hour mini class um, available for people that has four hours of training on this topic. It's called Energy Management for Empaths. And it's a really uh, great start at some of the things we've been talking about. That's wonderful. So all of that is at lisacampion.com. Lisa, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for having me. It's like I said, it's so much fun to, to be on the other side of the, the host chair here at Empower Radio. And um, yeah, thank you so much. You're very welcome. That is Lisa Campion. Her latest book is Energy Healing for Empaths. You can find out more about Lisa, find out about the book, get that free four-hour mini class. That's huge, you guys, um, about energy management for empaths. All of that is at lisacampion.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can find out what's coming up next on this radio program. You can even sign up for a private session with with me there if you are so inclined. I love taking people's hands and walking down the stairs with them and shining the light on the things that might be a little bit murky, a little bit in shadow, a little bit foggy, like coming out of the fog. If you'd like some help expanding, exploring your path, if you'd like help deepening connection with spirit or your own intuitive gifts, karenhager.com is the place to find out about that. I hope you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place right now, which is awesome. Um, so wherever you get your podcasts, just follow me or subscribe. I'm at Fog City Psychic on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I started putting these episodes up on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and put in Karen Hager, my big smiling face will pop right up into your browser. And so you can listen to these episodes there as well. If you believe as I do that 
when we focus on positive change, when we focus on peace, for example, in these turbulent times, when we use our gifts not to take but to give back in the world, that that makes a difference. Things change. If you believe that, please join me the first Sunday of every month for a free 15-minute guided meditation that's a circle of people from all over the world, and we come together to spend those 15 minutes focusing on peace. There's no politics, no selling, no yelling. It's peace. You can find out more about that free 15-minute guided meditation program monthly, more about that at openpeacefulheart.com. That's openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.